The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice and Rev. Dan Beckett. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today. I'm Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice. And I'm Rev. Dan Beckett. And together, we discuss the ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. And so as today's show is meant to be an interactive discussion, if you're listening live, you can call in with your comments and questions. The number is 816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816-251-3555. And Facebook users, you can also message us during the show from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Simply click the Send Message button right below the banner, and your anonymity is always respected. So there are so many questions in this world, and many times we have opinions on all of them. We may find ourselves tied up in knots over conflicting ideas that really have very little impact on our daily lives. So how do we regain our serenity? Today, we want to talk about moving from a life of turmoil to one of serenity through this spiritual power of neutrality. There is great power in the ability to maintain a neutral stance. We'll begin by sharing our own experiences of turmoil that results from trying to control people or circumstances, and then move into the solution of maintaining a neutral stance. After the break, we'll share exactly how we use the principle of neutrality to create a life of peace and serenity. So, Lonnie, we're talking now about uh, turmoil in our lives. What What did that look like for you? Well, for me, you know, for a lot of people, turmoil is external. You know, it's it's a result of living with addiction or a number of other things that, that go on in their lives. But for me, this turmoil was internal. You know, I had at one point in time been co- called a control freak, and we talked about that last week. Um, but it, it had to do for me, this t- internal turmoil was about not understanding a lot of things, where I fit in, what the world is like. Uh, how it should operate. And so I formed my own ideas about that. Um, and, and as I reflect back on it, I'm thinking about 
boundaries. I didn't know where I ended and the and the world began and what was my responsibility and what was somebody else's. And so I developed this way of re- relating to the world where I felt like I had to make things right. I had to fix things. And, um, you know, I mean, a, a prime example of that is have you ever been in a meeting where people wander off the agenda? I mean, you know, I take it as a personal thing that I had to get it back on track. You know, I mean, it just this urge to control things inside. Yeah, I, I agree. And my experiences also, as I considered this almost entirely uh, internal, or that's where my mind went when I um, sort of revisited what was it like to live in a life that was really not centered around uh, anything I'd call serenity and and uh, where I was experiencing turmoil is almost always internal. And and maybe that's partly because I'm an introvert and I tend to have a very uh, rich and active inner life anyway. Um, I know that whatever we're carrying internally also out pictures into the world. But, you know, years ago before I got uh, on a um, path of healing and sobriety, uh, I was generally very quiet. So there might be a lot of turmoil going on within me. But you wouldn't necessarily know that from the outside. I wasn't the kind of person where you can kind of read what's happening within them just by the way that they carry themselves in the world. I was super reserved. So I shared that experience of anything that I could call turmoil in my life definitely being in, uh, an internal experience. You know, and I shared about the the meeting without an agenda or somebody being off the agenda. You know, I found a lot of my uh, early adulthood was centered around trying to control another person. You know, it was trying to control the partner that I had that drank too much. It was trying to control the the coworkers that weren't following the procedures. It was trying to control my family members who had different ideas about what I should be doing than I was resisting. But it, You know, what I found with all of that is the more I focused outwardly on these things, the greater my frustration became because, funny thing, people don't like to be controlled. And and so I put myself in this position of being so frustrated all the time. Because things weren't going my way and nobody would listen to me and, and, uh, you know, it just, it'd turn out better if you would, but they didn't. I found that I worried a lot about things not turning out okay. That's a very broad statement, but it it also, uh, I think, fairly accurately described a lot of my inner turmoil was that I had an idea of how I I wanted things to be, and I was afraid or worried that they were not going to turn out that way, and that drove a lot of, of, you know, continued turmoil, maybe, very much like you're describing, you know, if, if so-and-so would just do this, or if this would just happen that way, then everything will be fine. You know, looking outside myself for, um, for all the pieces to come into place, it really took, um, coming into a, a recovery program. Um, and certainly, uh, sem- for me, seminary helped a lot, uh, in, in really discovering what it meant to not be driven by who was or wasn't doing something, you know, was the weather cooperating or not, uh, were circumstances to my liking or not, meaning did they match my plan of how I wanted things to be. So worrying about things not turning out okay was a big part of uh, my experience of turmoil within. 
That echoes mine. Mine was worrying about things I couldn't control. You know, that, that's where the serenity prayer helped me so much. You know, if I didn't have that tool at that time to understand that if it was outside of me, I probably had no control over it. And I certainly had no tools with which to control my inner life. Um, you know, my thinking patterns and my, my fears and my belief systems and things like that. And so, you know, while I had these outward behaviors that reflected this fear like being bossy and telling everybody else how to run their life and, you know, having these opinions on everything, I, they were not grounded in anything but fear. They were not grounded in my own experience. They weren't grounded in education on the subject. You know, it was merely my fear driving that. And that was one of the ways that the unmanageability, when we talk about our lives have become unmanageable, that's one of the ways that that showed up in my life. I found that I would get uh, over-involved with the way other people were doing things. Um, and I still have the ability to notice that and, and maybe uh, even to think uh, of a better way, but I don't tend to get um, pulled into it as much. You know, uh, I heard early on that question that we can ask in 12-step recovery, you know, would you, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? And, and one of my responses, well, I know I'm right, so I just need to add the happy part and everything will be great. And then I had a friend who said, uh, being right makes me happy, which I thought was the greatest response to that question. But, uh, you know, I talk about that because uh, getting involved with the way other people do things, they're not doing them right. Uh, and who knows the right way? Well, I do, of course. And so that whole dynamic, that... Uh, that lie, really, it is a lie. It's an internal lie that says that, uh, well, I, I'm the one who knows, and they need to do it my way, and blah, da, 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 da. It's a very self-centered way to see. So I spent too much time being involved in the way other people were doing things not the right way when I knew what the right way was. And they didn't ask me, just like you said, the nerve of them. If they would just ask, I could tell them, and then everything would be fine. I remember being reprimanded with, well, mind your own business, you know, which really kind of shut me down for a little while. But, you know, the urge, it didn't shut down that urge to tell people what to do and how to do it and that kind of thing. And, you know, and I had this this overdeveloped sense of responsibility that it was my job in the world to set things right, to see things right, to to organize things, to to put things in the perfect, right and perfect way. And the only way that I knew was what I had experience with. You know, my approach was the only way that I was exposed to at that point. And so that drove that as well. But underneath that, it was all fed by fear. It was this, I, be, I had this defensive attitude, this um, taking things personally. And then when somebody didn't uh, uh, follow a suggestion, I would uh, feel abandoned, like, oh, you don't love me anymore, you know, that kind of a thing. And, and all of those things going on inside left me with this um, persona of playing let's pretend. Let's pretend I'm okay. Let's pretend I know what I'm doing. Let's pretend I've I'm the authority on this subject. And so it really fed this fraud or imposter syndrome. I remember always feeling like that, that there was just too much going on all, all the time. Life moved too quickly or the world turned too fast for me. Uh, I spent much of my life um, having that experience uh, again, you know, not not really being able to name it, not having had a different experience to compare it to, but really distinctly feeling like, you know, that, that there's too much happening too quickly. I can't process all of this. And so that tended to drive me 
um, sort of further into, um, you know, an, an inner world or being less communicative or, or what have you. But that also was a, a primary source of turmoil for me in that it always felt like there were too many demands on my time and my energy. There was too much that needed to get done. There was never enough time to just uh, relax and take it easy and be okay. Now, uh, I, I can say that from the outside, that is not what my life looked like. But from the inside, that's absolutely what it looked like. And, you know, so I'm reminded of a of a um, quote in the um, in, in some of the literature, and it says, driven by a hundred forms of fear, we step on the toes of others and they retaliate. And that's, I did not understand that dynamic until after I got into the program, that the fear that I carried, the fear of the future, the fear of not being enough, the fear of not having enough, the fear of, of not having friends, of feeling unloved, and, you know, a hundred forms of fear is what triggered this this uh, acting out, this behavior, these responses that I had um, that that created all this emotional and mental turmoil in my life. Yeah, I share that experience. I, I also um, was easily offended or hurt, you know, e- easily had my feelings hurt. Uh, and I, I can only assume that of placing too much value on what other people thought, although that doesn't quite feel exactly right. It feels more like a a disconnection thing, you know, pain of being disconnected. If someone said something that was hurtful, then I felt alone and, and being disconnected and alone almost was worse than, um, you know, whatever it is that, that they may have, may have said. I also had the experience of just feeling generally agitated for no particular reason, which is kind of makes sense given, uh, what I've shared about the, my inner experience. I, I could see how I would feel generally agitated, either, you know, maybe depressed, maybe anxious uh, with a world that's moving too fast and, and you know, feeling like I, um, my, my skin seemed too thin for this world and all that kind of stuff. It all just sort of added up into a, a tumultuous and difficult inner experience in life. So now that we know about this challenge of a life of this inner turmoil, what's the solution? Well, in unity, we affirm that the universe is governed by spiritual principle. So in order to create a better life, we look for the spiritual principle that will guide our efforts. If we're experiencing a life of turmoil, which is always inner and sometimes outer, picture outer as well, it's important that we recognize the ways we're choosing or creating that experience. We're probably getting too involved in things we can't control, and that may well be none of our business. And so the spiritual principle that can address this and guide us out of turmoil is this principle of neutrality. And so that's what we want to focus on today. But what does that mean in our day-to-day lives? And what does neutrality look like? And how do we know if we're practicing it or it or not? So Dan, when you think about this spiritual principle of neutrality, what do you see? I find that this is the, one of those kinds of things that it's almost easier to see what it's not than to see what it is. I feel like, uh, uh, you know, if I am in a healthy balance that I would call uh, practicing this principle of neutrality, it's sort of what's not going on that's making it work. And so if I'm out of balance, it's almost easier to see, well, well what are the things that are going on that are not 
um, compatible with, with practicing neutrality. And so, for example, one reason, if I know that I'm not uh, in a in a place where I'd practice neutrality is uh, getting all involved again in how someone else is doing something, especially when they can do it just fine themselves, which is uh, also known as being controlling, right? <laughs> I can't help it if I can see exactly how this is done, and I'm afraid it's not going to get done that way. And so, in order to feel okay, I need to look over your shoulder and tell you how to do it. Uh, that's kind of way I would find myself being, and that is no fun at all. And like you shared before, is definitely driven by fear. And it really annoys the heck out of the people who are around you. And it's just not fair or right. So one way I know where I'm not practicing neutrality is I'm getting all involved in how someone else is doing something. And feeling like they, I, I, I need them to get it so they're doing it my way in order to be okay. That is not neutral. Then that uh, points out a place that I spent way too much time in, which was feeling... Um, overburdened and overwhelmed because I had so much work to do because nobody else could do it right. And so I was the micromanager and then I would take it the work away and I would uh, go off and do it my own way. And so I overburdened myself and created havoc in that manner as well. And so when I think of neutrality, I think of a, a being a middle ground. And that's one of the things that can be a challenge for people like me that had black and white thinking, all or none thinking. I don't know what middle is. And so, you know, it, it means, as you said, not doing something. And for me, it's not picking a side. It's not saying yes or no. It's not saying you're right, you're wrong. You know, I, I have to find this middle ground and, and try to remain unattached to the, to the, um, to the stance I'll put it that way, because I am attached sometimes to the outcome, uh, but I don't have to be attached to the process by which we arrive at the outcome. And so for me, learning where is the middle on things helped with neutrality. Yes, I've heard of this thing, this place you call middle. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've been even, even been able to find it from time to time. I know one way that if I'm not uh, practicing the principle of neutrality, if I'm getting upset about politics, now it's very easy to get upset about politics, or I, I should be more accurate about partisanship. I think there's a difference between politics and partisanship. But if I'm getting upset about whatever is or isn't happening, what someone said or didn't say, or who's doing what and they're doing this, uh, then I'm then I'm not living uh, the spiritual principle of neutrality. Now that's not to say that I can't have an opinion about how I think things should be. I can. Uh, the the trouble. Where I'm getting in myself into trouble there is um, because I'm allowing what I'm observing that is going on out there in the world to come right into my inner experience. Now, I don't have uh, any control over what this person says or does or what that person says or does. And so if I'm getting upset about it, I'm definitely on the wrong side of the serenity prayer. We use that a lot talk about, um, you know, what do I have the power to change and what don't I, and, and therefore how should I be, um, how should I respond to, or how should I be in relation with whatever's happening? Uh, if I'm getting upset about politics, I'm not practicing neutrality. And that's not to say that there's no such thing as a right way and a wrong way or good or bad or whatever. It's just to say, I can't be getting myself all involved 
in that when I have uh, no control over it from day to day. I, I do, uh, you know, we all have the uh, power to exercise a vote. And of course, that's how I do it. Or I can write letters or whatever. But if I'm not doing any of that stuff, if all I'm doing is stewing about it or being upset, um, then, then I'm creating that situation for myself. And I'm definitely not practicing the principle of neutrality. And so for me, an awful lot of this, you know, I, I grew up uh, afraid of conflict. You know, any kind of confrontation um, triggered this fear that we've been talking about. And so anytime that there was a disagreement, and I don't mean a, a loud or, or verbal or obnoxious, I just mean somebody held a different opinion than I held. It triggered all of this fear within me. And so, you know, for me, impartiality uh, was difficult to come by. I couldn't be impartial to this to this fear that welled up inside of me when I go, oh my gosh, they got a different opinion. I wonder if I'm wrong, you know, but yet I'm trying to be right. And so I had to learn to to not get in any debates. I didn't have the confidence. I, I wasn't certain that I knew my ground. I would not pick sides because I was afraid of being wrong. And so, you know, I in this struggle, this journey to find the middle ground, to find neutrality, you know, there was all of that internal processing going on. One way that I find it shows up, and I, I promise I'll move to the positive, how I do know about neutrality, but uh, I think I learned it by noticing what it when it's not happening. Uh, it's not happening, and, and I'll bring it a little closer to home for us, uh, those of us in a, in a recovery program. If I want to tell someone else how they should manage their recovery, and then here's the important part, and they didn't ask me. You know, I might even think, well, well, maybe they didn't know enough to ask me. Maybe they don't realize that I know what they should be doing. And if they did, maybe they would ask me. So maybe I should go tell them anyway, even though it hasn't yet occurred to them to ask me, even though that's a really good idea. Okay, so that's ridiculous. If I, if I want to tell someone how they should manage their recovery and they're not my sponsee, they didn't ask me to sponsor them. So there's not even an implicit uh, question about, uh, you know, should I do this or do that? Uh, that's none of my business. And I am not practicing neutrality if, once again, I'm getting all wrapped up into what someone else is saying or doing um, that I have no control over that really just functions for me as a distraction. You know, I, I love uh, – I've heard so many people say it so many different ways, but – one way to say it is if I want to look for the source of all my problems, all I need to do is find a mirror, right? If I look in the mirror, then I found the, the source of all my problems. It's not that person or that person. It's uh, what's going on within myself. Another way that this showed up for me was learning not to stir the pot. You know, when, when I engaged in gossip, um, triangulation, uh, passing on hearsay, third third-party hearsay, or spreading rumors, any of those things tended to increase. You know, I, I did some of those things on the basis of what I thought was communication. Make sure that the people that need to know things, know things. And yet, at the same time, what that did was it created all kinds of turmoil, both internal and external, because of the chaos that it that it caused. And triangulation in particular, um, in in families with uh, addiction influences, there's a lot of triangulation that goes on. We don't talk to one another directly. We we talk to we check it out with each family member individually, and somebody becomes the mediator, and we we then we try to. Um, to come to the agreement without ever having talked to anybody directly about what the problem is. 
you know, and so when so and so said that so and so said that so and so said, and we never talk directly to the person that that we have this issue with, and so that took a lot of untangling to get out of that for me, but learning that I could not participate in those things led me closer to neutrality than where I had been before. Yeah, I call that the don't tell mom or don't tell dad approach to life, to family life. I have definitely seen that. So one way that I know that I am practicing neutrality, or I know what neutrality is, really, um, is, is when I find that I'm genuinely living in the present moment. Now, that's a nice-sounding phrase uh, that uh, many of us will repeat a lot, but I have found that experience in my life in, in the, the analogous saying uh, in, in the recovery world that I know of is that I'm living, I have my head where my feet are. I love that because it's such a beautiful visual image. My head is right where my feet are. It is not ahead of me in the future. It's not behind me in the past. It's right here, right now, right where I am. And if I can um, be in that space, I'm pretty sure that I am experiencing uh, a level of neutrality that's definitely not there you know, when I'm getting all wrapped up in, in politics or someone else's recovery or how they should manage their life or, or whatever it might be. So a sign of the presence uh, of neutrality is when I can keep my head where my feet are. For me, part of the um, understanding about this neutrality, I was taught about experience, strength, and hope. And you hear people say that all the time, ESH. And I was taught that I could start extricating myself from these triangles and other situations I just described by asking myself this question, do I have any experience with this? Direct experience, not something I read on the internet, not something I heard from my best friend's brother, not uh, something that I thought would just be a good idea, uh, not something necessarily that I even feel strongly about, but do I have any direct experience with this? And that helped starting starting to extricate myself from these scenarios that were really none of my business, that were none of my situation, uh, that I had I had plenty of opinions on and emotional uh, hooks in, but it was it really wasn't mine to take care of. And so uh, that that helped a lot to be given that tool. It, do I have any direct experience with this? And, and a, a case in point is, I have all kinds of opinions about how people ought to treat their children, but I don't have any children. <laughs> and so That is a good example. I need to not give that advice, and so I don't. I, I, and I tell people, I say, I don't have any experience with children. I can see you're struggling with this situation. I have zero experience with that. I have nothing to say. That's a great place to be because it, I can hear in that it really takes the burden off of you. And I think that's true for all of us. If I'm, if I'm getting into, um, you know, offering advice or expertise on something I really don't have very much experience with, I'm putting a lot on myself as well as on the other person. I can just hear and feel the relief in being able to say exactly what you just said. You just told the truth and stepped out of the middle of it. And that's a great place to be. Uh, uh, briefly, I think one way that I can experience uh, neutrality or practicing is that if I feel generally calm within, if I feel a sense of joy within, which is also a sign of being in the present moment, and it reminds me of the fact that, say, I, I can't see the wind, but I can see the trees moving. So when I know where the wind is, not by the wind itself, by, by um, the outcome, the effects of it, where the trees are moving. 
So hold that thought because it's time for a short break. And when we come back, we'd love to hear from you. So the number is 816-251-3555. Please stay with us. Glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach around the world, we depend on the generosity of listeners like you. If you enjoy the programming, Please make your donation today by going to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Meditation Minute with Paulette Pipe. So as always, we begin our time of meditation by first take an account of what we're feeling those sights that we're seeing those sensations that we're experiencing and each breath that we breathe notice where in your body you're experiencing those sensations let your breathing find its own rhythm as we begin the process of letting go, the process of relaxation. Remember why we're here. To hear more from Paulette Pipe and Touching the Stillness, visit the archives section at unityonlineradio.org. Get your copy of Unity Magazine this month and discover timeless spiritual principles that you can apply to your life today. Denise Lynn discusses synchronicity as a potent sign from the universe. Serena Dyer-Pisoni and Karen Noe share how love still connects them to the late Dr. Wayne Dyer. And Reverend Johnny Coleman breaks barriers. Subscribe for one year and save $5 off the cover price and get the digital edition free. Go to unitymagazine.org and get a free trial issue today. Know Yourself as Divine. Stations of the Cosmic Christ, a new book from Matthew Fox and Bishop Mark Andrus, introduce a spiritual practice designed to help you realize the divine within. Combining prayer and an interpretation of the Stations of the Cross, featuring beautiful imagery, you will be led on a process of transformation. This book will help you discover the most caring, courageous, and compassionate parts of yourself. Get your copy today at Amazon.com or Unity.org shop. Is life getting you down? Don't worry. Choose happy. Join Dr. Marissa Pay every Thursday at 2 p.m. Central and get ready to shift your outlook. Dr. Marissa is an organizational psychologist and life balance coach who will help you to process the tough stuff. Get real-life strategies you can use today to experience more hope and happiness. Call in and join the live show or listen later on demand only on UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. 
Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice and Rev. Dan Beckett. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, my name is Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice and I'm here with Rev. Dan Beckett. We'll resume our discussion in just a moment, but first we want to let you know that the phone lines are open. So if you have a question or comment to share, please give us a call at 816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816-251-3555. So prior to the break, we were discussing the challenge of experiencing turmoil in our lives and uh, and the solution of the principle, the spiritual principle of neutrality. So, Lonnie, now that we know that the challenge is turmoil and the solution is that spiritual principle we're calling neutrality, how exactly can we use this principle to come to a place of serenity? Well, the thing that I had to understand was it wasn't going to happen overnight. You know, I had all this emotional turmoil and I just wanted to be fixed, which, of course, is one of the definitions of, of an addict is they... They spend all their time looking outside of themselves to fix something inside of themselves. Mm. And that isn't the way that that works. Um, And so, you know, to move from all to none thinking into this more neutral space on any topic you can imagine, you know, it's it's like they say that a a thousand miles, uh, the journey of a thousand miles begins with just a single step. You know, for me, it was one little tool, then another little tool, then another little tool. And the first one that I learned was one called Don't Take the Bait. You know, there were a lot of things that I was taking personally or that I read into that I felt I needed to respond to, that it was my job to set the record straight or whatever. All of that was bait to me. It invited me into something that I had no business being a part of. And so I had to learn to pause, you know, and I think that don't take the bait. Okay, what do I pause? Count to 10, you know, breathe, whatever your favorite Um, method of making some space is that's what I had to practice and um, the the phrase in the book is restraint of pen and tongue we practice restraint of pen and tongue that is the action that we take and that's the very first one that I worked on a lot yeah that that is super helpful and it's I found that helpful as well even though my personality wasn't such that I would quick to uh, you know jump into the fray I still uh, had that very same issue of needing to count to 10 or take a breath or, you know, take some time to ask, is this really have anything to do with me? You know, is this, is this mine to do again, the, the serenity prayer, uh, formula, is this anything I can change? Or like you said, is this just like an invitation to, uh, more trouble? I know I had to learn and practice, uh, telling the difference between the presence and the absence of a neutral stance. You know, before the break, I talked a lot about, um, well, just like the wind, I can't see the wind. I can see the results of the wind. I can tell when there's no wind because of what the trees and plants are not doing. I can tell if there is wind by what they are doing. So I can detect uh, with practice, I can learn to detect whether I'm in a neutral stance or not by um, whether I'm getting involved in other people's business. Again, you know, am I... Am I applying that hula hoop principle, that principle that says uh, everything inside the hula hoop that I have around me, that's my uh, responsibility. Everything outside that is probably not. So one way that I was able to move from an experience of turmoil more into an experience of serenity is by learning to tell the difference. Am I, am I in, in a healthy place with it? Am I practicing balance when it comes to 
um, neutrality or being involved or not involved with what's going on around me. You know, one of the things that I have found to be true in my practice of spiritual principles is I almost always have to stop doing something, stop misusing the the principle, stop looking at it the way I'm looking at it, stop doing the behavior, whatever it is. And and that was true for this as well. You know, in, in my whole recovery journey, my whole spiritual journey, I have to unlearn an awful lot of things before I can learn to go forward in a different manner. And one of those was to choose my engagements. You know, uh, not just my friends, but what conversations do I choose to get involved in? What ones do I choose to stay out of? Which which leads me to a conversation about boundaries. You know, what are my own personal boundaries about what I value, what I'm comfortable with, what I like, what I don't like? Even if I still have that inner urge to try to change somebody's mind, I don't have to engage. I can choose these engagements, make a conscious choice which is how I define decision. Make a decision. You know, I make a conscious choice to engage differently. I don't have to lead with my opinion. That is true. You have a choice. We all have a choice. I like that. Uh, one way that I can move from turmoil to serenity in my life is, is recognizing that just like any spiritual principle, and this, this will apply to any of them, you know, that when we talk about spiritual principles, the 12 powers always come to mind because that's a sort of a ready-made set of um, abilities of, of spiritual tools that we have. But just like any of them, or like this, just like this principle of neutrality, um, it's not always the right stance to take that I do need to remain in balance one way or the other. Um, you know, if I am, um, if I am witnessing a crime or somebody is, looks like they're going to jump off a bridge, you know, I don't want to fold my arms and say, oh, well, you know, this is outside my hula hoop. Good luck. You know, I might actually want to step in because maybe there is something that I could do that would be helpful. Maybe just being a listening ear, a compassionate listener could be helpful. And so uh, just like with anything, it's, you know, all of this goes both ways and it always returns to balance. You know, what is the right, if I'm, if I'm in a neutral stance, what is the right place of balance there? Sometimes I take action, sometimes I don't take action. You know, when is it neutrality and when is it um, just fear of getting involved, for example, uh, when maybe I should say something. And so learning how to do that, again, through practice, through practicing uh, program principles, you know, having um, people in the program to act as sounding boards, talk to a sponsor, whatever it, it might be, um, to recognize, well, you know, where am I? Am I in balance? You know, you bring up some really good points. And, and for me, that brings up points about motives and values. There's a lot of things that look the same on the outside. I can offer you a ride after a meeting and you don't know why I'm doing it. You don't know if it's because I want to, um, I want you to owe me something where I can collect it later. You don't know if it's out of the goodness of my heart. You don't know if it's because you gave me one two months ago and now I'm paying you back. You know, motive plays for me a big role in figuring out why I'm doing these things. You know, if I'm really neutral or if I'm only appearing to be neutral, I can remember being a, a very young manager and being frustrated with people, but pretending to be patient. And that's the way I described it. I would not raise my voice. I'd go over the same thing three or four or five times, however many times it took. You know, I would try a different approach, but I was not patient. I was 
frustrated, I was angry, I was irritated, all those things inside. But on the outside, there was the appearance of of patience. And so, you know, when I think of neutrality, I think of that in very much the same way. If my fear of getting involved is what's keeping me from doing that, that's not neutrality. And so, you know, which then takes me to values. Uh, if I if I have a set of values that I know are mine, for example, if somebody's life is at stake, that one trumps everything else. That one trumps mind your own business, that one trumps is it in my hula hoop? It doesn't it doesn't matter you know, if there's something that I can do there. And there are other values that I have to, um, that I have to know what they are in order to, for them to guide my behavior around that. And so you make a really good point that neutrality is not in action necessarily, that it is a, it is an emotional and psychological and spiritual uh, basis from which correct action can be determined. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't mean do nothing. It may be doing nothing is the appropriate uh, response, and maybe not. Neutrality is not simply lack of action. Yeah, I like that. Thank you for pointing that out. Okay, so this next one I want to share, I'm going to acknowledge, is uh, for people, I don't think this applies to everyone. I think it applies to people who, like me, are introverted, where the turmoil tends to be uh, innermost, and other people might need to do the actually the opposite of what I'm going to suggest. But one thing that helped me is to get up and move. You know, get up and get out and talk with people. Now, I think that that helped me because as an introvert, as someone whose habit was not to move, not to get out and talk to people, that by um, being willing to and practicing, literally just getting up, uh, whether it be to pick up the phone, walk around the block, go to a meeting and talk to some people before and after the meeting, um, that was a, a very helpful way for me to kind of fill in um, the part of my life where up to that point I had, I had been weaker, you know, I'm really good at alone time, really good at my inner, uh, my inner world and my inner experience. And so in order to, uh, come into balance with that, in order to move from turmoil to serenity, um, I had to get up and get out and talk with people. Now, somebody who is naturally an extrovert, that might be the core of their problem, is they need to stop constantly getting up, getting out and talking to people. And maybe that person needs to spend time turning within and blah, blah, blah. Well, for me as an introvert, uh, I definitely um, uh, had a lot of benefit from being willing to um, get up, get out, and talk with people. Um, that is a way that I was able to come into into better balance. I probably had a mix of those uh, things going on because one of the ways that I coped with my fear was to get involved. You know, um, there was a saying in the house I grew up with that said, well, do something even if it's wrong, you know, into action. And so I did a lot of that, and I was reminded that I was told, I was probably a couple of years into the program, I was told by my sponsor to sit on my hands. She said, when you go to the next business meeting, you sit on your hands. I don't want to see you raising your hand for anything. Because I continued, as I had mentioned earlier, I continued to overwhelm myself with things. Oh, they can't, oh, I can do that. I'll, I'll just raise my hand, you know, and it, it didn't give space for other people to grow. It didn't allow me the space to learn the things that you just mentioned about prayer and meditation and, and other tools, um, you know, gratitude journal and all the things that we talk about that helps us come into this balance. Uh, because I had to become aware that that's what my behavior was. And that's how, how I became aware. She said, sit on your hands. 
Yeah, it's really, I'm, I'm really realizing that, of course, just like with everything, we are talking a lot here about balance and what is right for you in that moment might be different than what's right for somebody else sitting right next to you in that moment, mm -hmm. or it might be different than what's right for you in a different moment. But um, the, the idea of, of coming into a, a neutral stance by purposely practicing the opposite side of the way that we're out of balance is really helpful. Now, someone might say, um, if they wanted to push back on your sponsor, they might think, well, are you saying that Lonnie never saying anything and always just sitting on her hand? No, we're saying that for right here, for right now, given where you're coming from, that's a good practice for you. Now it's going to change over time, just like my, uh, you know, getting out and getting involved with people was a good practice for me because that's the opposite of what I would normally have done. Uh, it's not to say that that's always the solution. It's not, but it's, it's what I needed to do to uh, come into a better place of balance. And one, one tool that I find, and this uh, also applies in many, many areas, is what we call the law of mind action. All right, so whatever I focus my attention on, that's what I get more of. So if I want to change my experience in the world, if I want to learn uh, how to find and uh, get back to a place of neutrality using that spiritual principle, um, I change where my mind goes. So if my mind is going to, man, someone someone needs to jump up and tell that person how to do it right because they're not doing it right. You know, my example of... Um, in my in my first group, when we passed the basket near the end, and it would drive me crazy that the basket was not following the optimal path, and that I knew what it was, um, I need to change my thoughts and focus on something different. So, if I want more irritation, I can focus my mind on that which is irritating me. But if I want less irritation, if I want to practice uh, coming into a place of neutrality. Just practice what it feels like so I know what it is and I can find it later. Um, I might choose to focus my attention otherwise, on purpose. E you know, even if I'm, even if I'm uh, kicking and screaming about it, it's like, forget about the basket. Well, how about this? Listen to what the person who's talking is saying. Wouldn't that be better than following? Yes, it would be better. Thank you very much. Law of mind action. It's everywhere. So there was a time when I was um, disengaged from the conversation in the room. My, I could not focus for whatever reason. And the tool that helped me, I was told to get a little spiral notebook and I got one of those like three by fives or whatever, take it to a meeting and, and write down one thing that was helpful from that meeting. Now, sometimes I wrote down two or three or four, but it forced me to focus on listening to what that person was saying because my mind at that point in time was going, well, what am I going to say? You know, here, here, they just had this reading and, oh, that guy said a good thing. And, oh, oh the next one said what I was going to say. Now, what am I going to say? You know, I had this mental chatter going on inside and I was doing anything but listening. And so for me, the physical act of making a note in a notebook about the content of the, dis of not the discussion, but the principle that was discussed or the idea or the tool that was shared, that helped me focus when we're talking about focusing our mind in, in the direction that is helpful. You just mentioned listening again. And uh, that was also for me uh, kind of a major um, skill to learn and practice. And as I mentioned before, um, 
as an example of how to use the law of mind action to shift my thinking, uh, to shift it into a listening, you know, not a, what am I going to say next kind of, uh, what you're sharing there or, uh, you know, what do I think, or how is this person right or wrong about what they're saying? You know, it's kind of an assessing or a, a, a judging a discerning, uh, sort of way learning simply to listen in a neutral manner and practice it in an active manner. We'd call it active listening. So I am I am paying attention to what the person is saying. I'm not trying to assess it. I'm not trying to figure out what I'm going to say next. I'm just sticking, I'm tracking with them. I'm sticking with them. What are they saying? How are they feeling? You know, what are they pointing at here? What is going on here? Trying to, uh, working to keep myself out of it, my opinion out of it, my experience out of it, and focus entirely on uh, what is this person sharing and can I just sit here and be with them as they share it and really hear what they're saying uh, without feeling like I need to come up with some way to respond. That kind of active listening, I found that to be a very strong balancing factor for much of what we're talking about, you know, to move from, from the out of balance way that says, I know how this should be. Okay. That's not a neutral stance. Um, way on the other side, I don't care about you or what you do. Uh, that's not neutral either. That's sort of, uh, erring on the other side of it. Uh, being able to find a place right in the middle that says, I am going to experience this with you. I'm going to listen to what you're saying. Um, not because I need to figure out what to say, just because I'm going to be right here right now with what you're doing. That's a practice that helped me a lot to learn what it feels like to be in a neutral place. That listening thing is really, um, it continues to be a practice, I think, because these challenges, fears that trigger this uh, over-controlling behavior and this um, turmoil, this internal turmoil, can come from anywhere at any time. And so when I even can maintain um, this serenity for some period of time, I, if I get complacent, if I start letting my mind wander, if I start not paying attention, if I start um, or stop some of the practices that normally keep me balanced, it the turmoil comes back. And some, so, you know, it's a practice. It's something that I have to work on. And listening, as you mentioned, is a really helpful thing for that. In that listening, one of the things I listened for, people would say things like, well, AA says, or in the book, NA says, or things like that. And I was skeptical enough that I wanted to know where. And that would distract me from listening in the meeting. And so I would make a note and I would be able to go talk with that person later and say, show me where it says that. Not because I didn't believe them, but because it had a ring of truth to it. You know, that sounded like a, a, a helpful suggestion that they were making. And I wanted to see it in context. And so being able to find that and study that, to actually study, this is what they said brought them into balance, brought them into this place of neutrality, gave them their serenity. Well, maybe I should study that too. So that was helpful. Absolutely. You know, and, and discerning what to say or not to say seems to be a recurring theme here. It seems to be a, an important piece of this idea of um, practicing the principle of neutrality. And so along those lines, one thing that I've heard a lot, and I actually had to go look it up and see where it, it came from, you know, some of those things that are 
um, popular and then get posted all over the internet or Facebook or whatever. It's hard to know where they came from, but it's this, it's this series of questions that I answer in order to determine if, uh, I should say what I'm about to say. And they are, is it kind is what I'm saying. Kind is what I'm saying. True. And is it necessary? And I always turn the necessary in, in, in I, I add to it, uh, does it need to be said? Does it need to be said by me? Is the a variation because maybe it needs to be said, but not by me. You know, like your example of not having kids if there's a child acting up in the line at the grocery store. Yes, maybe someone does need to speak with that child about appropriate behavior, but it ain't me. I'm a stranger. <laughs> it's none of my business uh, what's going on there. And I I found that I got I love this on fakebuddhaquotes.com. Because <laughs> it's not the Buddha did not say that, but it sounds like something that the Buddha would say, and so it gets posted a lot. But here's what the Buddha did say: there are five factors to consider. Is it spoken at the right time? Is it spoken in truth? Is it spoken affectionately? Is it spoken beneficially? It is spoken with a mind of goodwill. Now, anything that passes those five criteria, I think, is something that is good and right to be spoken. And if not, then, you know, maybe it's not. But I do love that. That's sort of the expanded version of is it kind, is it true, is it necessary? Well, one of those acronyms that I learned was THINK, the T-H-I-N-K. You know, is it thoughtful? Is it honest? Is it inspirational? Is it necessary? And is it kind? So you can see that there's this big overlap. Yeah. And and these kind of things gave me guidance that said, well, maybe I don't need to say anything. Now, I can modify my behavior on the outside long before my internal processes get in alignment. You know, I, I proved that when I quit drinking. I can quit drinking and I am still an internal mess. You know, I can I can learn some of these tools, and as I practice them, I get better. But externally, I might look. I mean, how many people said to you, "Well, you you quit drinking a month ago. What do you need to still go to those meetings for?" <laughs> right? You know, and and so I can modify my behavior. I can say, "Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind?" and and keep my mouth shut. But I can still have all this internal turmoil. So I yes. have to have tools to go deeper than that. Absolutely. And, and I love the, and I think that's the beauty of the program is it gives us an opportunity to encounter people who may have had those same issues, who may know some of those tools and that can help guide me along my way. But you're absolutely right. It's an internal, big difference between the internal and the external. But here's my favorite statement or the favorite, my favorite way of expressing those things, you know, whether it passes the Buddha's five factors or whether it passes that, is it kind, is it true, is it necessary? And, and I, there was a woman in my home group that said this and I'll never forget it. Sometimes I feel like I should just pick up my phone and text her and thank her again for saying this. Here's what she said. Who made me the teacher? Who made me the teacher? For me, that that just blew my mind, and it kind of summarizes all of those things. Yeah, it, it, it encapsulates that, is it right for me? Is Am I the one who'd be saying it? Should it even be said? Is it even true? You know, who put me in charge? Who Who's the one that said that I'm the one holding the key to the truth of this situation, truth with a capital T? Well, you know what? Maybe nobody, and maybe I'm not the teacher in this moment. So let us now switch gears and move into action. 
You know, unity's fifth principle states, it's not enough to know these truths, we must live them. That means we must each take action in order to grow and recover. So here's something that you can do this week to move from upset and turmoil to a place of serenity using the spiritual principle of neutrality. Think of a way that you might be experiencing turmoil in your life. Do you have a friend or a relative that's not managing their life properly and you're caught up in wanting to change them? Or are you getting upset about things happening in the political, religious, or maybe even the sports world. Or perhaps you just need to focus more on improving your own life experience. What's important now is just to pick one thing, preferably something simple, to focus on in this exercise. The idea is to relax and to let it be easy, to realize there's no need to struggle. And you can take what you learn here today into your life this week and return to it anytime you choose in order to find peace. So for an example, let's use uh, a friend whose life choices make you want to reach out and, quote, fix them. So in Unity, we use a statement of power, what's called a denial, to deny any power to what that person is or is not doing. You could say something like, how other people choose to live has no power over my peace of mind. Repeat it a few times in your head or say it aloud. How other people choose to live has no power over my peace of mind. And follow that up immediately with a bold, positive affirmation of a new experience. So you could say, I am centered in the loving peace of God, which flows from within me into every area of my life. And then take a few quiet moments to relax and take it easy. Give thanks for your new experience in the world and move on with your day. So take some time this week and affirm your new experience. How other people choose to live has no power over my peace of mind. I am centered in the loving peace of God, which flows from within me into every area of my life. And so we've come to the end of our time together here today. We hope that you found something that can help you on your recovery path, and we both bless you on your journey. Thank you to our listeners, and thank you, Dan, Reverend Dan Beckett, for the insights that were shared in our discussion today. And listeners, if you would like, you can connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, and give us your thoughts and feedback. And we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. And until then, have a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.